it's all about playing the game the right way. The name on the front of the jersey is more important than that name on the back of the jersey. You play for the Indiana Pacers. That's who you represent. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the All Pacers Pod. I'm Jack, and we are so glad that you're listening today. We got a fun episode. Jeremy is not here. Austin is not here. They're out pushing papers. But everyone else who's listening, we're so glad you're here. We got a fun episode. Like I said, I'm joined here by one of my new friends, Michael. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me, Jack. We met at a Reds game. Our wives used to work together. We went up to the Reds game, got these uh, great tickets. We're both Reds fans. Wait, are you a Reds fan? Uh, they're in my National League team. Being a Clevelander, That's uh, right. the Indians are... Well, I should say the Guardians. I'm sorry. Oh, is that what they're being called now? Yes, uh, we are officially the Guardians. No more Indians gear um, will be sold at the stadium. Okay, well, it's uh, vintage now, I guess. That's uh, it's probably it's probably for the best. Yeah, that's a well, different topic for another day. It is, but you're from Cleveland, right? I am born and raised in Cleveland. I've been in Cincinnati for four years now. Okay, yeah. So I mean, that's part of the reason that I wanted to talk to you on this podcast. What I've done recently is I'll talk to um, some people who are different fans. Other, I mean, are fans of other teams other than the Pacers or, you know, like when Sal came on. I, Michael, I don't know if you've heard this episode, but we had Sal who runs the Instagram, uh, all.pacers, and does a great job. Um, if you don't follow already, be sure to follow at all.pacers on Instagram. But we did an all-Canadian draft. Guys who played for the Raptors or the Vancouver Grizzlies and also played for the Pacers. That one was wild. I mean, not a lot of great players or anything, but it was a ton of fun. Um, and actually a surprising amount of good players. Like Jermaine O'Neal played for the Raptors. I don't know if you knew that. But, I mean, I like to do this kind of stuff. We have some more lined up as well. But today what we're going to be doing is doing a Cleveland Cavaliers slash Pacers draft. Plus just talking about, you know, some of our favorite moments between the two teams. Talking about the futures a little bit of both. And just, you know, having fun while we're doing it too. So, Michael, we're going to get to know you in a second, but before we do, we do this thing at the start of every podcast called the stat of the day. And typically our producer Combs or Austin or Breezy or whatever you want to call him does it, but I'm going to try it today. I'm not the best at it. I think we talked about this before the, the podcast, but I, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. So Michael, I got a question for you. Where were you on January 16th, 2014? I was in Cleveland uh, wow, that, a lot of things have happened between now and then. Uh, in Cleveland, uh, I'm assuming this has to do with the Cavaliers and LeBron James. Uh, no, that it, this has nothing to do with the two. Uh, and also, we weren't in the same place. I was actually at Banker's Life Fieldhouse, no longer called Banker's Life Fieldhouse, but the New York Knicks came to town to play the Indiana Pacers on this day. And this stat of the day is a player from the University of Cincinnati who played for the Pacers. Got it. Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson, born ready. Lance, so he had his all-time career high for the Pacers of 28 points in this game. Played 35 minutes, 28 points, like I said, four assists, four rebounds, one steal, and was a plus 30 against the Knicks. The Pacers went on to win 117-89. to Absolute show from Lance Stevenson. Uh, All-time favorite. For Pacers fans, every single year, people are asking, hey, is Lance going to play for the Pacers this year? Because everyone really wants it, you know? So uh, that's where I was at. I was at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. And, Mike, I'll give you I'll give you $5 right now 
if you can name four of the starters for the New York Knicks in 2014 who started against the Pacers this game. Oh, my gosh. Amari Stoudemire? Nope. Oh. Off the bench. Oh. Uh, Never knew that he came um, off the bench for the Knicks, huh? I can picture the one guy, but I need four, so just yeah, give it I to mean, me. Okay, <laughs> hey, I get five. I got to keep my $5. So they started Andre Bargnani, Carmelo Anthony. Should have got that one. You should have got that. Yeah. Raymond Felton, Tyson Chandler, and Amon Shumpert. So kind of impossible. But uh, fun, fun Knicks team, but just got beat by this amazing Pacers team this year. So we had Lance, George Hill, Paul George, David West, and Roy Hibbert. Also off the bench, the sixth man, friend of the All Pacers pod, C.J. Watson. So shout out, C.J. Oh, and also Chris Copeland, friend of the All Pacers pod. Five minutes and 29 seconds in this game. So fun game. Shout out, Lance Stevenson. I picked that because you work for the University of Cincinnati. So hey, sh- shout out, uh, UC. Not a lot of players from UC have made it to the NBA either, right? Not not as many as you'd think with some of those teams in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, wild. But anyway, man, we had already mentioned it. You're from Cleveland, um, but you're currently living in Cincinnati, but you're still a diehard Cavaliers fan, correct? Correct, yeah. Um, all Cleveland sports teams, Cleveland till I die, Cleveland against the world. Uh, and that was kind of our motto in 16 when we won the NBA championship. Oh, nice. <laughs> Cleveland against the world. We had the Indians at the time um, going to the World Series, too. So it was just the vibe up there. Uh, when they won the NBA title, people just climbing, telephone poles, uh, the lights in the streets. It was in the parade. I'm sure everyone's seen the pictures. Some, some wild stuff. I uh, look forward to experiencing something like that one day. I hope you, I hope you do. I knew it'd be quick that you mentioned the 2016 championship. As a Clevelander, we don't have much to hold our hat on, so I got to get it in when I can to make sure. Yeah, so something about being a Pacers fan, too, is, like, if you're a Pacers fan, you know, you've been, you've gotten pretty close to the top before a few times. Like, we've had the Reggie, Jalen Rose, like that team, um, Dale Davis, Antonio Davis, Rick Smith, like that, that whole team, Chris Mullen, too. So, like, we've gotten close to the top, especially, too, with, like, the Paul George, Roy Hibbert, David West teams as well. But never quite reached the top, and we've had some real deep lows as well. A lot of people tend to follow, like, the best teams. Lakers, LeBron. I mean, you tend to follow those people throughout their careers, like the top guys, the Kobe Bryants, whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, like, these small market teams where, like, the fans are just super real. Like, there's something special about that. And... I get that sense from Cleveland, and I get that sense of that's how it is in Cleveland, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the loyalty there is much respected from um, us Cleveland fans. And, you know, we see these Buffalo Bills fans are doing good. We cheer for them. They cheer for us, kind of the same token. Uh, the Pacers, the Cavs are both low-market teams. Not very good for a lot of the time. We show some promise. We draft some good players. We either trade them away. They get hurt. Don't pan out. End up being a bust. Anthony Bennett, biggest bust in um, almost number one pick ever. Uh, so, yeah, so having that loyalty to still support your team and follow your team is uh, something that's dear to my heart, being a Clevelander. Yeah, and, I mean, even part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I know that you understand what it takes to be a fan of a team through the highs and lows. You guys reached it there in 2016, which I knew you'd bring up quick, like I said, and like also, like I said, we hope to experience it one day as Pacer fans. But 
we knew that there's, you know, or I knew that we could relate enough as fans of small market teams that this was going to be a fun podcast and people were going to respect you too for being a fan of your team for so long. So you're, you now moved to Cincinnati. Is it harder to root for the Pacers? I mean, how's all that work? I mean, the, the Cavaliers, how's all that work? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I see more Pacers stuff. There's more people talking about the Pacers, but I will say there are some low key Cleveland fans just because of that 2016, going back to your point of there's no real team here for them, even though Indy, the Pacers are so much closer. The Cavs had LeBron, had Kyrie, had you know Kevin Love, the dynasty for a couple of years. So people attracted to them. Now they don't know as much as they did back then now, but it's, it's a little tough. I don't get to watch the games because of the whole TV situation and do I want to stream it? Um, I just kind of check the stats um when i can't watch but i every chance i get i try and check them out well you had national tv games like crazy with the with lebron there so yeah, I'm sure christmas nice. day everything like that so yeah i'm gone now yes it's a, it's a little tougher for the pacers we had i think two national tv games this year or at least the first half of the season one of them's nba tv so kind of one national TV game. And I'm sure it's the same for the Cavs this year too. But anyway, man, well, I just wanted people to get to know you a little bit, know that you're a real fan of the Cavaliers. We're, we're going to start though with some of our favorite Cavs slash Pacers moments. And what I wanted to talk about in this segment mostly was the obvious one for a lot of Pacers fans. That's the 2018 first round Cavs versus Pacers series. And I don't know if you you remember too much about watching this or how much you even watched at the time, but I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective of it. This was a really fun season for Pacers fans. It's, it's maybe my favorite season to watch as a fan of the Pacers too. And like, I, I get that we lost in the first round and we've had better um, runs than this, but this was just like such a fun year. We, traded Paul George the year before, got Oladipo, Demonis Sabonis in that trade, who were both contributing members of the Pacers this year. And obviously, we got two uh, all-stars out of that trade, too, in those two. So Victor Oladipo was a two-time all-star for the Pacers. Sabonis is hopefully going to be a three-time all-star for the Pacers this season. We'll see how all that goes. But, I mean, this team was just so fun to root for. Pacers had Bogdanovich, Oladipo, like I said, Sabonis, still had Miles Turner, um, Thad Young, who I, I've never really been the biggest fan of, but an important piece to this Pacers team. Uh, Darren Collison, I mean, Lance Stevenson still. So, I mean, it's just a fun team. And we met LeBron and the Cavs in that first round of the playoffs. Cavs got the four seed. Pacers were the five seed. Um, and it was just a grinded out series. Not many games went over 100 points. Combined, yeah, they went over 100 points, but... Not many times did one team hit 100 points until, you know, closer to the end. Cavs came out on top in Game 7. It was a close-fought series the whole time. And I just wanted to talk about that with you a little bit. So, from a Cavs perspective, what were some of your takeaways from this series? So, it was a gritty dogfight, and we were not expecting that. You know, we kind of skated in towards the end of the year thinking, you know, we're fine. We're going to skate right into the finals, as we did previously in past years I think it was two or three years straight. And, uh, you know, the first couple series, we're feeling each other out. And we're thinking, shoot, are we in trouble here? Uh, we know we have the better talent, but these are hungry kids almost. You know, and Lance Stevenson was still early in his career, and he was 
looking like could be a franchise player. He could match up with anybody, lock down LeBron. So it was a lot of fun, but very stressful. Uh, something we weren't expecting in Cleveland, just kind of go through, no injuries, stay rested up, stay fresh, and move on. And LeBron, I would say that's probably one of his top three overall best series of his career. If you look back at the stats, it's him who was the leading scorer, followed by four Pacers players. So if you put that in perspective, it's a lot of weight on your soldiers, soldiers especially in the first round. So it was uh, – and you guys are being so close. So you traveled very well. I remember being downtown and seeing a lot of gold and blue and Pacers fans. Very knowledgeable and fun fans, by the way. So a little shout-out to the Pacers fans. No, no one really got rowdy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And luckily we came out on top. But kudos to that team for – having a dog fight in them and not being intimidated and fighting. Yeah. And you know what? The Cavs ended up making the finals that year. They lost in four games to the Warriors, which you also didn't have Kyrie Irving. That's a huge loss. Um, or did you, you didn't have him this year. You didn't have him in the Pacers series. I can't remember. Yeah. But um, so yeah, it was just totally like, I, I really think there's an, a perfect equation for LeBron if he's going to win the championship. And part of that equation is he, sh he doesn't need to exert himself much in the first round. And, you know, this shouldn't have been one of his best series of his career because he shouldn't have had to exert himself in the way that he did. Um, and the Pacers made it tough on him. I mean, I don't know if Lance Stevenson locked LeBron up. Um, I honestly think Stevenson does more harm than good when it comes to guarding LeBron because, you know, he thinks sometimes he gets in LeBron's head like, yeah, LeBron will push him every so often um, or he would in those series and get a technical or a foul every so often. But usually LeBron came out on top. So I don't know how effective Lance is. Bogdanovich did a pretty good job guarding LeBron. I really think our answer, though, was Thad Young. And look, I just named three names, too, who – like, we threw all these guys on LeBron in this series, and all three of them wanted this so bad. You know, Thad Young won the Hustle Award last season in the NBA in 2020-2021 uh, season, which is crazy because he's like 40, 45 at this point. I don't even know how old he is. But, um, I mean, he's a hustler. Bogdanovich was, you know, he had a grind to get to where he was in his career too. This was a, a great season for him. Um, obviously, Lance Stevenson, that goes without saying. He's a hustler. But – like LeBron really had to work and he threw this team on his back. And in a series like this, where it didn't seem even to start, even after the first four games, it clearly was pretty even at that point. Typically in a series like this, you see the the best player, you know, end the series on top and LeBron won. And it, it, it was tough for the Pacers because, you know, they just left literally everything they had on the court. Oladipo, was amazing in the series. One of my favorite all-time Pacers. It's hard. I mean, it's it's still hard for me at this point to to love Oladipo in the same way that I did because you know he, you know he hurt me, man. But like, still was stellar in this series. He had 23 points per game, eight rebounds, led the Pacers in rebounds actually, six assists, 2.4 steals, 0.4 blocks. I mean, he just put it all on the court. Um, but then you look at LeBron's stats, and it's 34 points, 10 rebounds, 7.7 .7 assists, 1.4 steal, 1 block. 
And it's like, okay, yeah. So clearly the better the better player won. We were throwing everything at him, couldn't stop him. And like you said, it it turned out to be one of his better playoff series of his career. Game seven, it's 101-105. It was really 105-98. Oladipo hit a last second three just to get within four points. So not like a crazy close game. It looks a lot closer than it was. Game five is the most important game to me. The Cavs were the four seed, so they had home court advantage too. So we were going to have to beat the Cavs at home. We ended up winning game one in Cleveland. I think that was just a shock for Cleveland. You know, Cleveland ended up taking game two. Pacers got game three at home. Cleveland beat us the next game at home. So it's 2-2 at this point. Cleveland won in Cleveland. The next game was 95-98. This is when LeBron, I mean, this was a huge turning point for um, this series. LeBron, 44 points in this game out of the 98 points scored for the Cavs. Obviously, like he has to put on this type of performance with a lot of the pieces that were surrounding him too. I don't know how much you love some of these guys, but when you're starting Jose Calderon, Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, um, you probably need a really good performance from Le- from LeBron James. Yeah, so there was a lot of sense of when you look at the roster going into the playoffs, whatever we get out of it, it's a bonus, right? You still look out there out west, you look at Golden State, they've still got all their premier players. They want to come back and win another title together. The turning point was seeing some of these guys, the Cal Corvers, the J.R. Smiths, like you mentioned, a couple others that just were a step slower than they normally were. So you could start to see some of these players that we had on the downhill and LeBron's still trying to pick it up. So after the series, to your point of you could just see it, LeBron was exhausted. So for us to even make it to the finals, that was just a stretch. That was just an actual bonus for us Cavs fans, extra games. I believe that was when uh, J.R. Smith didn't know how much time was left on the clock too in Golden State. Yeah, I, I think I think it was this year because I think LeBron left after that. Right after that. So there was a sense of that, that he was leaving on the outs anyways. So it wasn't as heartbreaking as the first year we went and lost to Golden State because there was that sense of LeBron's going to get it done. And he said when he came back, you know, it's going to take two years. First year, you got to get there, know what it takes in the offseason, know what it takes as a team, and then you're going to be back. So it, it was fun. We got some extra games in, but to have that level of excitement, it was kind of fading towards the end. Yeah, no doubt. So Anyway, that was one of my favorite moments, Cavs-Pacers. I mean, obviously, it didn't end the way that I wanted it to, but that whole season was so much fun, like I said. And, you know, you got to be proud of what the Pacers were able to do or almost do, I guess, at that point um, that season. So uh, are, are there any other moments for you that stand out as a Cavs fan against the Pacers, or was this what you had planned on as well? Yeah, I totally agree with that game five. That was just unbelievable and I was always an Oladipo fan even in college and I always liked him and didn't think he got the credit he deserved so I think he had a little chip on his shoulder coming in here against the big dogs in LeBron and uh, Kyrie uh, when he was healthy and wanted to show the world that he can hang with these guys and he did he showed it he proved it yeah no doubt and uh, was a first team all defense that year in the NBA and third team all NBA too, which was just wild. I mean, especially for a guy that was just almost like a throwaway piece at that point in the NBA. He was the year before for the thunder. He was, you know, just standing in the corner, Russell Westbrook's uh, sidekick, basically the bonus Sabonis was in the corner shooting threes, his rookie year for the thunder that year too, which is wild when you see how the Sabonis plays now in the NBA. Um, but yeah, I mean, even like watching, I was watching some, 
uh, portions of like full game uh, recaps, not recaps, like the full game of this series. I was just kind of going through it, like trying to take get some takeaways, listen to the announcer, see what kind of the vibe was at the time. There was, you know, there was a few times where I saw Sabonis go up for a rebound, pull it down, and then turn around to like pass it out because I just don't think he knew what to do in those situations yet. Now, like if Sabonis is in the paint, he's one of the top three guys in the NBA at this point at scoring in the paint and finishing down there. There's no way he's turning around at this point if he gets an offensive rebound. Like he's putting it up and scoring, maybe doing a baby hook, something like getting the bucket. So like you saw some youth and like some room for development in these Pacers, even at the time. I mean, you know, Sabonis was young. Like I said, he was 21 in this series. Miles Turner was 21. Oladipo was young too. I mean, we just had a lot of young guys um, and just weren't there yet. And I don't know what this team could have looked like if they stuck together and kept going because we, we saw a lot of injuries and then, you know, like Nate McMillan's no longer the coach, which I'm okay with. And Oladipo asked out, and I mean, we just, I mean, obviously the Oladipo injury too. I was actually in Cleveland. We were driving through Cleveland, going to New York. We stopped, my wife and I, we stopped in Cleveland at an Airbnb. I turned on the Pacers game and uh, that's when Oladipo fell and his quad ruptured. Um, Yeah, it was his quad. Wow, I can't even remember what it was now. Yeah, it's quad tendon. It ruptured and it just was, you know, like instant flashbacks of uh, Paul George snapping his leg in half for Team USA in the training. And it was just like, man, this is going to keep happening. Um, And it was honestly at that moment too where it's like, shoot, is this it? Are we we even going to see Oladipo again in the same way? So uh, it was fun while it lasted for sure. And I, I wish we could have seen the potential, no doubt. So... Anyway, well, let's move on because I don't want to relive this much longer. Um, and the next thing we have on the rundown is talking about the Cavs' future versus the Pacers' future. And the real reason I put this is because I don't watch Cavs basketball right now, strictly Pacers basketball. Um, I, I want to talk future. Is there any hope for this season playoff-wise? I don't know. I'm going to find out just from talking to you. So uh, what what are you most excited for? with this Cavaliers roster right now? I am most excited to see some of these young pieces and parts start to grow together. Uh, We've been pretty bad over the past couple of years, so we've had high draft picks. And now's the time when you see those top 10 draft picks, if they're going to pan out or not, or if they're bust. We drafted Mobley this year, really liked him. Super happy we took him. And we signed Jared Allen to a long-term deal. He is from the Brooklyn Nets, very active guy. And they are just gelling so well together that was not expected that Colin Sexton and Garland. So Sexton came from Alabama and he, no one knew if he could shoot or not. He just drives to the basket, makes a layup or get fouls. Uh, He's starting to come around with his his shot Garland. So I, and Kevin Love, don't forget about Kevin Love, the 55 year old man who's making hundred million dollars a year. Uh, He's dropped 22 points against the Nuggets yesterday. So I don't know if that's – he's not going to be able to last. I know that. But if we can get him, say, half the season, averaging 15 and 10, 20 and 10, that we will outdo our expectations for sure. Signing Ricky Rubio was interesting to me, but I like the veteran presence for those young guards in the locker room. I think that could – it kind of took the place of Matthew Delvadova kind of the hustler, kind of the veteran guy, uh, better than Delva Delva. But uh, I like that too. So overall, 
I, I was coming into this season thinking 500 would be awesome. And looking at the, the odds, I think our over-under wins was 28 or something. So <laughs> pretty crazy. So it's promise. And people in Cleveland are just starting to go to the games now and be a little more uh, amped up about it with the young crew. And just being able to be in games when you're not supposed to be says something, too, for growth of your organization. Yeah, no doubt. So you beat the Hawks on Saturday, and then you beat the Nuggets on Monday. Um, and we're doing this podcast on Tuesday, so right after this. Wild. You would never expect that from the Cavs. Um, I mean, you did lose to the Grizzlies and the Hornets to start the year, which you're 500 at this point. Yeah, I mean, 22 points from Love is is crazy when you can get it. And I don't know exactly who is looking the best for this team, but I know a big question was Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Are they going to mesh for the Cavs? And I mean, I didn't think so. I didn't think there was any shot which Jared Allen was part of that Oladipo trade too, which sent him to the um, Rockets. But that's that's huge for the Cavs. I know like Jared Allen is such a stud. I love watching him play. He's one of those Texas centers who just won't fail in the NBA. You know, there's like a long line of that happening, starting with Kevin Durant, which I know he's a small forward in the NBA, but center at Texas, and it just worked for him. But you got like Miles Turner, um, Jared Allen, Tristan Thompson even. like I mean, there's just so many guys who – had just solid careers in the NBA from Texas being a center. But Jared Allen's a stud. Um, I'm not sure Sexton can shoot still. I'm still curious if that can work. I know I know you feel like he's answering it a little bit. I don't know, man. I, I'm not I'm not sold on it yet. But Garland looks like a stud too. I've never been convinced Ricky Rubio's a good player, but obviously it's working so far um, enough for the Cavaliers with this roster. And, I mean, it looks like there's enough room for growth, especially like – if Kevin Love is going to be an actual contributing member of this team, like this is just going to be huge for this team going forward with this age. Just looking at the age too, it's, it's 23, 23, 20 are the top three scorers age-wise. And then Ricky Rubio, and then it's 24, 22. So like you got a lot of young guys scoring right now um, and helping the Cavs, like not in the future, but right now. So Isaac Okoro is still there. He was a rookie last year, solid defender. Chetty Oseman too, I mean – not not a bad player right there. So there's definitely a lot of pieces on this Cavs team. Um, I think he's uh, yeah, he's kind of underperformed uh, thus far. We had a lot of expectations, hoping he could take some of the reins, and we're still hoping for that. But he's a big body. Yeah, I mean, do you have hope as a Cavs fan? Always hope. Yeah, yeah. always hope. <laughs> I love it. Um, also, I know you mentioned Anthony Bennett earlier, biggest draft bust. I don't know if he was a, like the biggest one ever, right? Because what did people really think he should have gone first? Wasn't that just weird that he went? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, where he went being number one overall, because everyone said he might not even go top 15, top 20. Rumors yeah. started going around in Cleveland, like they're looking at Bennett. They're like, why? It can't be true. You know, maybe they're just giving him a tryout, giving him a chance, seeing what he can do. And then we draft him and the rest is history, unfortunately. But it yeah. is what it is. Uh, Oladipo went second that year. He could have had Oladipo. Uh, there was a couple others that went. I think Giannis went 11th or 14th. Four, 14th, or, yeah, probably 14th or 15th. And then Jokic was second round. Or not Jokic, um, Rudy Gobert. Ridiculous. But, I mean, you wanted to draft to Gobert first overall. Right. So, I mean, Anthony Bennett was wild. Should have taken Oladipo. And as a IU Hoosier fan, like I never expected Oladipo to go that high in the draft. So it did blow my mind at the time because I didn't know how good of a player he was. And I watched every game. Cody Zeller was the best player I'd, I'd ever seen in college. 
and he went fourth. Yeah, I mean, even Oladipo going before him blew my mind at the time. But it turns out in hindsight, they probably should have taken him first overall. I mean, obviously Giannis, but you probably wouldn't have taken him first either. So that's exciting, man. So, I mean, I'll, I'll be a low-key Cavs fan for you. Um, obviously Pacers first, but you got to love these teams that have all these young pieces and you get to watch them develop that way. So we don't have to talk Pacers future because I want to get to this draft that we're going to do, but I'm glad you have hope. Always. Uh, next up, we're going to do this draft. So we're doing Cavs slash Pacers draft. We've done this before in the past where it's guys who have played for both the Cavs and Pacers. Um, or, you know, like when we did the Canadian draft, it was guys who they had to have either played for both the Raptors and Pacers or both the Grizzlies and Pacers. So like the teams, we were drafting some random dudes at the end of it. Um, and we're changing that up this time. Me and Mike, we're going to draft guys who have played for either the Cavs or Pacers. And it's not how they played exactly for the Pacers or the Cavs. It's just how they were at the prime in their career. I'm just going to give one example here real quick. So like we, so Paul George is an obvious guy who might get picked, probably will get picked in this draft. If we're talking prime Paul George, it might be the Oklahoma City year when he came, what, second or third in MVP voting. Mm. And obviously he was great for the Pacers. You you may end up even taking him then just because they made it far, which I don't even know if he was the best player. It might have been David West. I don't know. I don't want to say anything and trigger any Pacers fans out there. But you you know what? Like if you're taking Paul George, you don't have to get him on those Pacers years. You could get him at the prime in his career, which was – Oklahoma City potentially so what we're gonna do for this draft Mike and we talked about this ahead of time I just want to go back over the rules real quick for everyone listening we're gonna draft seven guys we're gonna get five starters and those starters each have to fill the point guard shooting guard small forward power forward and center position if Jeremy the co-host my co-host of the all pacers pod typically who's not here right now if he was here it'd be very strict like if you draft I was me and Mike were talking about this ahead of time Kyle Korver is a shooting guard on basketball reference. However, there was one year for the Cavs, his last year for the Cavs, actually, I, don't, I think it was this season that we just talked about, 2018. He played power forward and was listed as a power forward that year for the Cavaliers, which is wild that Kyle Korver was at power forward. If you wanted to draft him at power forward right now, Mike, which I don't know why you would, but if you wanted to, that's okay. I'm going to allow it. So we're going to be a little more lenient on this draft. Um, and hopefully it's a ton of fun. Hopefully we just get some amazing teams, even looking at these potential guys. I feel like these teams are just going to be those types of, you know, 70 and uh, 70 and 12 NBA uh, type of roster. So we're going to do seven guys. We're going to start with the starting lineups. Um, once we both get our starting lineups, that's when we'll move to the bench. And there's no restrictions on who you draft there. Sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to let you go first since you're the guest on this podcast. So we're going to do a serpentine draft. If you don't know what that is, basically Mike starts – with the, he gets the first overall pick. Hopefully he doesn't take Anthony Bennett. I don't know you know how the Cavs are. Who knows? He's a Cavs fan. But I'll get the second pick, and then it'll serpentine back. So then I'll get the next pick, and then he'll get the next pick after that. LeBron James. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> My prime will probably power forward. Or, I mean, uh, for win? Yeah, win. That's a good question. I would say right before he went to Miami, really. Uh, when he came back, I think he was more of a coach facilitator and dominant, obviously, right? We all know the stats, but it was a different LeBron. Back then, before he went to Miami, he was just freakishly athletic, even more athletic things than he did after that. Uh, before he started on the 
nutrition diets and all that, that kind of stuff. So I would say prior to Miami. Okay. So most people who aren't Cavs fans would say prime LeBron is Miami LeBron, but I love that you're a Cavs fan and you would say that his prime is in Cleveland. So that's what's up, man. I love it. You get, uh, you have good guy LeBron, not villain LeBron. So there's a lot of value in that too, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Big time. What do you see him as a villain now in, in LA or how do you feel? He He's not somebody that I check his stats or root for. It's more of, you know, he's doing good, great, good for him. He's not, doesn't wear the Cavaliers jersey, so I'm not going to cheer for him. What what he did for me in the city was awesome. Brought a championship, you know, a lot of uh, economic growth, but he's not in the wine and gold anymore, so. All right. Love it, man. So I am now up with my first pick, and I feel like this one is pretty obvious just looking at this list. I could be wrong. I feel like I've gone over this enough to, to know. No, it's definitely obvious. So I'm going to I'm going to go with three-time MVP Shaquille O'Neal. So that's my starting center. Shaq played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was one of the guys that uh the Cavs brought in to appease LeBron James throughout the years, which there's a lot and it actually contributed to this list majorly because you know, it might not have been good if as good if LeBron wasn't in Cleveland for so long and the management just felt like they had to bring as much aging talent to him as possible. And uh, they definitely did that. I don't know if it was the best way to do it, but they did that. But he played for Cleveland from 2009 to 2010 or during that season. Shaq was 37 at the time and wasn't great. I'm not going to lie. Wasn't wasn't a great player. Um, but, I mean, still or was, was a, a really good player, just not your typical Shaq that you wanted to see. Just old and overweight. Um, averaged 18 points, 10 rebounds that year for the Cavs, though played at Boston the next season and after that it was done that was the end of Shaq's career in the NBA but I'm not taking that year obviously I'd be wild to do that I'm gonna take prime Shaq year in my opinion which is 1999-2000 when he won MVP and they won the NBA championship I feel like you can't go wrong with that so that's really all I have to say about Shaquille O'Neal what, what as a Cavs fan what how do you feel about him just a a big named Jersey seller didn't make much sense coming over. Uh, he looked pretty old, pretty out of shape, but it was still cool to say he played for us. Love it. I went ahead and the Pacers won a few championships in the ABA. Um, I included some of those names. I won't draft them unless you have some of the guys that you wanted to potentially draft. If you don't, I'm not going to. You don't have any ABA guys, do you? I don't. All right. So shout out all the ABA guys. Um, you're not getting drafted. Sorry about that especially George McGinnis. I'm sorry, man. We're not drafting you next. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and draft my next pick. You know what? I'm going to, for all my Pacer fans out there, this is for you. Despite all the Cavs fans who are probably not listening, but potentially listening, I'm not going to take one-time shooting guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers in like 2018. I don't know when he played there. I'm going to end up taking the greatest Pacer of all time, Reggie Miller at shooting guard. Reggie is the greatest Pacer of all time. Most people's favorite pacer of all time, if they're old enough to have watched him at all. Iconic, obviously, one of the greatest shooters of all time, ended his career, the all-time greatest three-point shooter. Has since been passed up and will be passed up multiple times in the coming years just because it's a different NBA, you know. But when I have to pick a prime Reggie, it's kind of tough because there's two seasons that stand out to me. The 
first is his third season in the NBA, which we'll talk about in a minute. But then also his season when they met the um, Lakers in the finals. You have to think about that too. But I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to end up taking 1989-1990 Reggie Miller. He was 24 years old at the time, but averaged 25 points per game um, and shot 41.4% from three. Great numbers for Reggie. Played all 82 games, started all 82 games. And most importantly, gave hope to the Pacers for a future with Reggie Miller, which lasted 18 seasons in Indiana, and you got to respect that. So I'm going to take Reggie second overall, and now I have Reggie passing to Shaq. You have to feel pretty good about that. But let's, let's see. You get two picks in a row now, man. Uh, wh- what are you looking at? All right, I'm going to go Dwayne Wade with my first. He had a very brief stint. I want to say he didn't even finish out that season. Uh, so that was cool having him there. LeBron didn't work out, but still a big name. Looking at his stats, I'm going to go he 08 09, averaged 30.2 points a game, five rebounds, seven and a half assists. He, he led the NBA in uh, points per game that year. Yeah, and third in MVP voting. So that's the D-Wade I'm going to take. So it's I pretty much have the heat right now with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in their prime. Yeah, um, can't be mad about that. Could have had Shaq too, my bad. I should have drafted someone else. <laughs> I'm going to go Kyrie at the other guard. And his prime year, I could be biased here, uh, bear with me. The year that we won the championship and he hit the shot. He no, was no the doubt. most focused. We all know that his mind can be out there. And I feel like that was the most focused he's ever been. That was the biggest shot I've ever seen in my life that we've ever had. And whatever he does from here on out doesn't matter because he hit a shot for me. So talent-wise as well, I still think he's one of the best guards in the league. So I got D-Wade, Kyrie, and LeBron. Your answer is perfect there. That's when I would have taken Kyrie that exact like that exact same moment. I feel like if you take prime Kyrie, it's the shot that he hit against the Warriors. You know, you don't even have to say season. I get it. Do you feel you you said you it doesn't really matter anymore because he hit that shot. But I mean, what was it tough to be a Kyrie fan towards the end? Yeah, extremely tough. We just keep telling ourselves he hit the shot. He hit the shot. He's a cap, you know, that kind of thing. To try and Talk yourself up, and that's how we got through it. Flipped Kyrie for Isaiah Thomas, correct? Yep. And that didn't work out? No, that was the year Isaiah Thomas was coming off that extremely crazy year where he was looking like an MVP candidate. Third. And, yeah, obviously didn't pan out for us, but back to the championship, it's okay. We got to take our, take our medicine. There was also the rumor that Kyrie stopped talking to people for months at practice um, before the trade. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how much of a crazy person you have to be to not say a word to someone at practice. Like, how do you even do that every single day coming into work, not saying a word to anybody and leaving? Like, that is crazy to me. But um, so now it's my pick, correct? Yep. So I'm going to end up taking, you know what? I got to do it at Power Forward. I'm going to take Sean Kemp. Played for... Cavaliers from 97 to 2000. I'm going to take him in 95, 96. He was an all-star. Averaged 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 1.6 blocks per game. While also piling in four turnovers per game. game. (laughs) 
a little sloppy, but they made it to the NBA Finals this year um, and lost to the Chicago Bulls, but it was the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls, and I don't know if anyone was going to win if Michael Jordan was um, in the league and ready to play. So, yeah, uh, I got Sean Kemp at power forward, and I feel pretty good about that pick, but he is a Cleveland Cavalier, so I have I now have two Cavaliers and one Pacer. Um, I did not draft an all-time pacer, one of my favorites of all time, because I think he's technically a center, and I didn't have him in my power forward position, and I'm regretting it now. I don't know why I didn't draft him. <laughs> I guess I could have put him at power forward. Whatever. I'm going to let you have him, um, if you can even think of who I'm thinking of. But I'm going to go small forward now, and I'm going to take... I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Paul George. If anyone listens to this podcast frequently, they know I don't like doing this. But I'm going to take Paul George. And so now my team is missing a point guard, but I have Reggie Miller, Paul George, Sean Kemp, and Shaquille O'Neal. And I cannot believe I didn't take a certain guy at power forward. I'm like kicking myself. If you don't take him, I'm going to take him at my bench spot. You, oh, sorry. So do you have your uh, fourth and fifth I picks? I do. Now? And David West, kind of a rival to me. He went to Xavier. So... Uh, a good player, but couldn't root for him. I'm going to go Jermaine O'Neal. That was my guy. I cannot believe I didn't take him at power forward. That's your guy. Now, I'm trying to go through, get my center here. It might come out a little off the wall, but I'm going to go Roy Hibbert at center. Uh, All right. I had a quick, quick stat here in uh, 2013 against the Heat. He had games of 29 points, 10 rebounds, 20 and 17, 23 and 12, 24 and 11. Uh, so you know better than me about his overall stats for that year, but he came and showed out for you guys in the playoffs. So Roy Hibbert at center. I love Roy Hibbert. Just came into the NBA at the perfect time for him, and that perfect time for him only lasted a few years because his type of center was quickly run out of the NBA. So, yeah, not a bad pick, especially if you're talking prime. Roy Hibbert. Well, I, I still need a point guard now. And let's see. So I have two Pacers and two Cavs. So I can take anybody at this point, which just feels great. Um, and I'm really tempted to take a guy, not just because of his name, but because of one season that he had. I don't think I'm going to take him, but it's world be free um, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He averaged 30 points per game one season, I found out. I don't know anything about the dude. I've heard his name plenty of times just because his name. Um, but crazy that he averaged 30 points per game one year. So I considered that. And I'm also considering Darren Williams, one-time Cavalier, one of those guys that was way past their prime that LeBron wanted in Cleveland. Man, he looked bad in Cleveland. <laughs> it's just it, it blew my mind how bad he looked then because when I was growing up, or at least when I was in high school, you know, he was, people would argue if he was the best point guard in the NBA, it was like him or Chris Paul. And I don't know if that should have ever been the case. Um, but he, I mean, he was definitely like one of those guys. I mean, he was on good Utah teams and was a great facilitator. I'm looking at stats right now, four years straight averaged, actually five years straight. Nope. Four years straight averaged double digit assists. Um, and was close to 20 points per game each of those seasons as well. So stud, man, I'm doing it. I'm taking Darren Williams. 
I talked myself into it. So I'm going to take Darren Williams. Like I said, averaged uh, for four years straight, nearly 20 and 10 with assists. Was on great Utah teams. What what What's your memory of Darren Williams? Is it all bad because of the Cavaliers? No, no. I was actually a fan of him uh, prior to the Cav days. So very respectable player, obviously. Stats speak for themselves. Uh, sometimes, you know, change of pace changes things and – you just don't match with the team that you're with, the coaching staff, and things go downhill. We see it every year. Yeah, no doubt. So he's my facilitator in this lineup. I feel like I needed that, especially with the shooting that I have in Reggie Miller and Paul George. Um, and then the low uh, paint, and the paint presence that I have in Sean Kipp and Shaquille O'Neal. I feel like Darren Williams is the perfect fit for this team. I don't know if I'm winning this draft, just based on how good your team's been, but... I mean, I I really am stoked for my team. So let's do bench players. We'll just do one at a time. I'll let you go first on this, and then I'll go after you, not Serpentine. So we'll just do one at a time. All right, cool. I'll go go big man, and I'm going to go Zadrunas Ilgowskis from the Cavs, Big Z from Lithuania. And the year 2002, 2003, he was an all-star, and – yeah, average 17 and 7, it looks like. So, I he, he didn't look the best running up and down the court, but uh, great little uh, Tim Duncan off the off the backboard bank shot and uh, tons of rebounds. So, almost a double-double guy for most of his career. I mean, I, I loved Big Z. I don't know if you remember those puppet commercials, too, that they did with LeBron. Loved that guy. Really, really put a sweet spot in my heart for Lithuania, too, which just, you know, has been great with Damanis Sabonis. Um, so, yeah, I, I love the pick. I don't know if that's the best guy available, but as a Cavs fan, I know that was one of your most important players available. So, love that pick. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take a small forward now who's part of the, the Dream Team, Hall of Famer from the Golden State Warriors for most of his career. This is Chris Mullen. Hmm. I'm going to take his prime year, which is, I don't know, maybe when he's like 27, when typically people... So, okay, five years straight, had 26, 25, 25, 25, 25 points per game. Yeah, so that was his uh, five-year all-star run with the Warriors. I'm going to go ahead and take his 25-year-old year, year, which was 26.5 points per game. Let's see, five assists and six rebounds. And I'm feeling pretty good about that, man. I, I really like Chris Mullins as a player, and part of the dream team so that's important too all right you're up next all right so this is gonna be a cav an oldie legend cav looking at my bench i need a point guard uh, i'm gonna go mark price for the non-cleveland fans played uh, nine seasons with the Cavs from 86 to 95 best year 90 91 season 17 points a game, 10 and a half assists, two and a half steals. That'll round out my team. Yeah, good pick, man. Uh, Mark Price was my third point guard on this list. Um, actually, he was second. I, I had Darren Williams third. I ended up taking Darren Williams before him. I talked myself into it. But Mark Price was a solid player um, and an icon, I think, even still for Cleveland, right? Yeah, he's uh, on the talk shows. Uh, whether it be monthly, you know, on TV, pregame, postgame, he's always making an appearance. I believe he lives in the Cleveland area as well, so 
he attends quite a bit of games. So, yeah, great pick there. I, I love that. We're going to go over all these guys that we didn't pick after this next pick that I have um, because I'm really struggling to figure out who to take next. It's so good. But you know who I'm going to take? I'm just going to do it. And I don't even know if his name comes up if I type this in since he's changed it. It doesn't. So I'm going to take um, Ron Artest, who is now Meta World Peace, but at the time was Ron Artest. And I'm going to take him in 2004, 2005, which is crazy. I know it's crazy because he only played seven games this year because of the mallets at the Palace. But first of all, known for his defense, like just an aggravator, like solid defender. But 2003, 2004, most Pacer fans know this at this point. So if you're listening, I, I know you've probably heard this a million times from even us. But 2003, 2004 started out um, the season and looked like, or sorry, 2004, 2005 started out the season and looked like a top five guy in the NBA. And I know that might sound crazy, but the Pacers were the best team in the NBA at this point, talent wise. I'm sure the Spurs were good. I, I don't remember the Spurs roster, but I think the Pacers would have won the championship this year if the mouse at the Palace didn't happen. I'm, I'm going to be adamant about that the rest of my life. Um, but Ron Artest averaged 25 points per game at this in those first seven games. 1.7 steals, three assists, 6.4 rebounds. Was shooting 50% from the field and 41 from three and was the best player on this Pacers team that was destined to win the NBA championship. But the attitude obviously got the best of him. It wasn't a great mix with Steven Jackson there either. Um, and Jermaine O'Neal too, even at the time, struggled with attitude. But if it worked, it would have been great, you know? So I'm going to end up taking him 2004, 2005, because I thought he was one of, if not the best player in the NBA at the time. And I'm going to write him down as Ron Artest because that's just how I know him, you know? Yeah, no doubt. They were uh, – I think they were going to run away with it. There wasn't a team half as talented as them. Um from top to bottom, athletically, physically, defensively, you, you know, Ron Artest could lock up anyone that year. Had the size, had the tenacity. My team, I have Darren Williams, Reggie Miller, Paul George, Sean Kemp, and Shaquille O'Neal in my starting five. And then Chris Mullen and Ron Artest on the bench. I got Roy Hibbert, Jermaine O'Neal, LeBron James, Kyrie, Dwayne Wade on the bench, Zadrunas Ogalskis, and Mark Burns. All right, I love it. Our bench units are... Our favorite teams only. So that's, that's what's up, man. <laughs> Gotta love that. Let's go over these guys that we missed because I think this is the most interesting thing from this whole thing. Just it's crazy like how many guys played. So I'm gonna start it. I'll start with the point guards because the point guard wasn't point guard position wasn't great. It was like Baron Davis for the Cavs, which I totally forgot about. Really like him. Tim Hardaway on the Pacers, Vern Fleming, Jeff Teague for the Pacers. Um and then World Be Free, like I had mentioned earlier, and Lenny Wilkins for the Cavs. Lenny Wilkins had a few good seasons. He was just like old NBA. Let me double check his stats real quick. He was just like old. Yeah. 61 to 75 played in the NBA, but was a, he's a hall of famer, nine time all-star. Um, and was, Oh, I thought he was MVP. He was the all-star game MVP one year, but, um, solid player for his whole career in the NBA. I just, I couldn't justify taking him. I obviously, Darren Williams wasn't – he was only a three-time All-Star compared to Lenny Wilkins nine-time. So you'd probably want to take Lenny in that situation. I was just being a little biased because I watched Darren Williams growing up and the older NBA was different. But let's move on to shooting guard. We missed uh, Kyle Korver, and that was all I had for people we missed. I had Reggie, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Mullen written down for my shooting guards. 
Am I missing anybody? I guess Lance Stevenson. Uh, Mark Jackson was more of a point guard, right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even mention Mark Jackson. Yeah, Mark Jackson at point guard. Why do I not have him written down? Gosh, man, I'm just – if you're a Pacers fan and you're disappointed with me right now, you should be. I'm so sorry. I'm, I didn't draft your bait on Neil and I forgot Mark Jackson. What's wrong with me, man? <laughs> just sometimes you miss that stuff. Um, so small forward, we missed Billy Knight, Sean Marion, who was a Cav, Mike Miller, former Cav. Mike Miller was – well, I guess this was a heat memory um, for me, but he couldn't really run because of his back. Lost a shoe at one point, too, and hit a three um, – in like the important final minutes of a game to help the Miami heat win in the, I think the finals. So Mike Miller was awesome, man. I love that guy. Uh, we didn't get Danny Granger who probably would have been my next guy drafted just cause I love Danny Granger. Uh, Roger Brown, Peja Stojakovic, Jalen Rose, who was one of the best players for the Pacers, uh, finals run. Um, and people just don't know how great of a player Jalen Rose was in the NBA, man. He was solid for the Pacers and then Alex English, who the Pacers messed up on. We traded him for an aging George McGinnis just to get him back in Indy. Alex English was a stud, man. So that would have been one of those guys where uh, probably should have gone at some point in this draft. We, we may have missed him, but solid player. Hall of Famer, eight-time All-Star, um, three-time All-NBA. So missed that. I'm not missing anybody yet, am I? Not yet. This was small forward, right? Yeah. Okay, power forward, we didn't get um, Kevin Love, Larry Nance, Antoine Jameson. Uh, not Larry Nance Jr., the older Larry Nance. Um, Antoine Jameson, Carlos Boozer, Damanis Sabonis, Al Jefferson, who was a one-time, two-time pacer, um, and Clark Kellogg. I had Drew Gooden. Oh. He was pretty good. A um, couple years there with the Cavs. You're a Drew Gooden guy, huh? Just for a couple years there. Okay. Love it. Uh, he played for a lot of NBA teams. I think 11. Early on, though, with the Cavs. Yeah. 10. 10 different teams in the NBA. Wild. Super cool. Um, I remember him on all the old NBA 2K game, or NBA Live games. Was always on a different team every year. The high socks and the headband. Always. Always. Uh, let's move on to center. We didn't get Brad Doherty, Andrew Bogut. Um, Andrew Bynum, Ben Wallace would have been a guy that was taken soon if we kept the draft going. Yeah. Uh, Dale Davis and Rick Smits. Dale Davis probably could have been a power forward. I listened to him at center on this, but yeah, I mean, am I missing anybody on this list? No, you hit mine. I was just the big Ben Ben Wallace was a fun one. We'll probably post these lineups on the Instagram too. And you guys can all vote on them. I think I'll probably lose. But I feel really good about my team, man. Maybe maybe people see it the way I see it. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Anyway, I really appreciate you coming on the pod today, Mike. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to talk to a legit Cavaliers fan. So I hope for nothing but the best for the Cavaliers this season and that you can continue to see some growth with these young guys. And um, hopefully we can see some real good stuff coming out of Cleveland here in the future. Yeah, same to you. Thanks, Jack. Uh Total pleasure. I appreciate being on. It was a blast. And I'm going to check out uh, my first Pacers game this year. That's what's up, man. Cool. Well, um, have a great rest of your night, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the All Pacers Pod, a podcast for Pacers fans by Pacers fans. If you don't already, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. We're already the most reviewed Pacers podcast in the world, and we want to continue to keep growing. 
Also, head over to our Instagram at all.pacers and our Twitter at all underscore pacers. Give us a follow there. But until next time, peace out. It's all about team basketball. It's all about playing the game the right way. The name on the front of the jersey is more important than that name on the back of the jersey. You play for the Indiana Pacers. That's who you represent.